Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you? I am good. I am good. All right, David, uh, ask Coach Thorpe. Uh, we are kicking off the show with that as we go. Again, folks out there, if you want to hear and dive into Coach Thorpe's big basketball brain, please send questions into truehoop at truehoop.com. That is T-R-U-E-H-O-O-P at truehoop.com. All right, David, uh, first up, and this is actually one of the first time, a one listener is going to send in a bulk of our questions because this person, uh, Mackenzie, really has uh, a bone to pick. But before- Oh, boy. With me? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not oh, with, with okay, the, good. About the NBA in particular. <laughs> uh, but before we get to Mackenzie's series of questions, first one up, um, this is from another user. You were down on draft prospect LaMelo's willingness to do the little things that add up to winning, sort of the anti-Kyle Lowry. Has he improved? <laughs> if so, was it at once or gradually? Which one, LaMelo Ball? You said LaMelo? Okay, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, let, let me be very clear. I've said this many times. Just an incredibly gifted passer. And the one thing he's been able to do consistently for his career that did not look like it was going to be there when you saw him as a, as a pro, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and his high school even, was his shooting. He's a good shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed his dimensions a good amount. Just the, the ability to pass and the feel for passing, he's really gifted. It's not just the, the delivery, hyper-accurate delivery, creativity, it's the vision. Really impressive stuff. I love watching him play on offense. Uh, he's a bad finisher at the rim. I think he's having, last I looked anyway, he's having a career season at the rim, but he's barely average. For a guy at his size, I would say below average. Yeah, he should be but better. But for, sure. for the whole league, probably average at best. Bad mid-range. Uh, uh, and, and still a house on fire on defense. <laughs> and it's concerning. He's been in the league a while now. Uh, and his coach knows what he's doing defensively. And he's not as bad. He's been worse in previous years in almost every metric. Um, there's still – he's very young. We, we forget. Uh, he could be like a junior, a sophomore in college. He's, he's 22. Like he's, he's 22 now. Okay, yeah. I thought maybe he's still 21. He's, he's young. That's still young. Yeah. Very young. So um, they have some pieces that are interesting to me. Uh, in particular, their rookie from Alabama, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams from Duke. Mm-hmm. Two lottery picks. Uh, I like that trio. Uh, but uh, Miller may be at best serviceable on defense. It looks like maybe a little better. Mark Williams can be elite defensively. They need LaMelo to play defense, and it just it's just not happening. So I still don't see someone desperate to win uh, as much as I seem to see someone desperate to entertain and have fun. There's a lot to say about having fun. I, I'm not a buyer yet of him being a guy that's going to lead his team to wins the way, for example, as a writer. I think you say Kyle Lowry, yeah. Mm-hmm, so the questioner, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, he's no Kyle Lowry right now. No, and I think that's that's very fair. Um, and the point you made about Mark Williams, you know, Williams is his second year as a rookie last year. Remember, Lamelo missed basically all of last year, so Correct. Williams didn't get the advantage of playing with that super uber elite uh, playmaker that Lamelo yeah. is. And you are seeing the benefits now of Williams playing with Lamelo because it's like, oh, look, all these great lobs I'm catching and all these amazing places he's putting me in to finish. So there is. To your point, David, there is a lot of stuff to like about him on the offensive end. Um, but, you know, about winning, where I think, as you, as you rightly pointed out, we're still a very long way away. Yeah, uh, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. 
All right, now comes Mackenzie's series of questions. And this oh, is right. why I'm laughing is because you were talking about uh, writing something about this. This is about the NBA officials. And she just like has several questions about the NBA officials. All right, here's her first one. Why aren't there four refs on the court? We're just a fourth ref in the arena with a different perspective. At least once a game, a ref gets a call wrong or misses something obvious simply because they can't see it, all while being the closest to that specific action. She's not blaming the refs, but she can't think why this is a thing. There is room on the court for a fourth official. We had two, right? Then we got a three. It's it's within the realm of imagination that we one day have four. If they if they increase the court size, Mm -hmm. I imagine they will do that. Uh, There already is a fourth referee. The video, the video booth, in a sense, right, is the fourth one. Yes, in in a sense. Except they only work if you go to them, right? Correct. They're, they're, they're largely non-existent. Right. They're, not, they're, right. they're not sending in like a red light. Oh, exactly. you guys fucked up. Exactly. Okay. Uh, the problem I have with the idea of a fourth is what does it matter when the way they interpret the game seems so mm. skewed to me? When, when I, I Again, I say this over and over again. I want people to understand my references here. I'm watching about as much basketball as can be done on the planet. This is I don't have kids anymore. They're grown. I don't have to see that much. I wish I could see them more, but I don't. I just see a lot of games and a lot of clips. And the clips, I don't tend to see as many calls as I do, certainly the, the live games that I watch. I don't know what they're calling. I, I don't understand some of the rule interpretations. Uh, they, there's just many, many, many. But I, I mean, many fouls called where I feel like if the situation was reversed and it was the star player on defense and an average player on offense, they wouldn't call it. I don't, I don't believe in the calls the way I once did. And you've never heard me complain a lot about refs in the mm-hmm. past. I haven't done it. I, I think they're the best refs in the world for basketball. I just don't understand what they're doing too often. And so we, there's a whole show we could do just on referees for the p- purpose of this discussion. What does it matter how many we have if they all call the same stupid shit? <laughs> uh, uh, listen, you're right on there, David. I don't, I don't get it. I don't think it's consistent. Well, and this is funny because this brings us into Mackenzie's second question, which is, I've never heard what takes precedent when it comes to block charge decision. For example, a charging call will be upheld after review. Meanwhile, the defender is clearly still moving or a block will be upheld when the defender establishes the position after the offensive player is already in the air in some instances. So what's up with the block charge rule, David? So the some of these calls are just bad calls. Uh, but to the point, I think, of the initial question this is my issue is it doesn't matter if you're, I, I don't think I can be, I'm allowed to slide and you just can't run me over if you're changing direction suddenly. Otherwise that's all. Why would anyone do anything different? Which is what I've told some players to do. When in doubt, just truck a dude. They, if they're not stationary, they tend to call a, a, a block when they shouldn't. I'm supposed to be allowed my space. Uh, I'm not allowed to tackle you. That's a definite foul. But you're not allowed to run me over either when I'm in my space. If I'm in your space and I'm still sliding, that's different. But I wasn't in your way. You chose to run me over. That should be an offensive foul still. So we, I think there's a lot of uh, darkness going on right now with some of these calls, many of these calls. And I'm not impugning the business. I'm not impugning any character of any referee. Having friendships with some of them. They're incredibly focused professional men. That I know, the women too. Um, I, I, it's a, it's a fair, it's a, it's weird, it's weird to me that that I've never felt this way before. That 
I should just run a guy over when it down. They're probably going to call a block. And uh, I want to be fair about this. I, look, you ain't never will catch me caping for referees. I will say the job of being an NBA official is not easy, right? These dudes are moving incredibly fast, and these are bang bang plays often. And like you know, these I would I would imagine most refs don't want to get it wrong. I think they want to get it right, but you know, I agree. I think sometimes their ego gets in the way and certain things, and we'll get to that uh, in, in, in a little bit. All right, this is a, uh, the last one from McKenzie. Do you guys think all these new taunting rules are good for the game and sports in general? Sure, there has to be limits, but giving guys penalties for showing emotion takes away the only reason this, this is a billion-dollar industry. The most basic reason we all love sports is because of the passion and emotion that gets displayed, unlike anything else on Earth. Nothing's come, nothing comes close. Why take that away? What are sports about without true competitiveness? I, I'm not aware of the new taunting rules. I don't typically have the volume on when I'm watching games. Yeah. So uh, if if you want to, uh, yeah. So like you know, you're if after a dunk or whatever, you're woofing at the other person, oh, or yeah, it's not new, but it's just sort it's of like fun. you know, it's 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 been going on for a while. Um, okay. but they they're they much more they're much more um, prone to call something. Yes, yes, yeah. So I, I, uh, I can tell you what I tell players is uh, just talk to your team. Right. Don't talk to anybody. I, I don't like them talking to refs. I just talked to a player yesterday about uh, maybe two days ago about um, like just stop with the refs. I, I did talk to a player yesterday. Yeah, one was a G League, one was an NBA player. Just stop. It's not going to solve anything. You can talk to them off dead balls quietly, professionally, but to, but you're reacting too much, and I think it's distracting from your game. Uh, I also do not love my players talking to the other team. Uh, you'll see them talking to the bench a lot because the bench is talking. You know, rebound when a guy mm-hmm. shoots it. You know, he, not, not there, whatever. Mm-hmm. All the shit mm-hmm. talking they say when a guy shoots mm-hmm. the ball. And they love to look at him. I don't love that either. Um, I, I I don't think it adds to the game. I don't necessarily think it subtracts either, other than I think it can be distracting to the players. I have had players tell me, some players, that they are more focused when they're talking than I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. If that's what helps you lock in, do your job. That's whatever. It's like a tennis player grunting. If it helps them do it, Great. I've had a player who yells, ah, when he gets to the to the rim and he misses a lot. And I think it's because he's yelling. I think he's thinking about the foul and not the finish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I say, quit yelling and quit thinking about the foul and just finish the shot and, and play to get fouled, but don't think about it. So um yeah, I, I don't I don't want to distract from the game, uh, detract from the game, but I also don't want the players distracted. And if they make it too personal, then they're getting distracted. There was a play that Mackenzie was referencing. She's like, as I type this, Jason Tatum just got a technical for hanging on the rim, but there was a guy clearly underneath him, right? So that's one of the ones they do. They don't want you. I do not like rim, that at all. You know, um, look, cares about, they're not breaking right. anymore. For, for, for me, and, you know, it's it's actually, it never happens that I disagree with David as we're like saying anything basketball. I don't personally care about taunting and like, because ultimately, it's just a game. Like it's this is not world geopolitical issues. Like if dudes want to get excited after dunking, and I don't care. Cool. Like I, I, I don't care either. It's not good for them. I would tell you this. I don't mind hanging on the rim. I'm gonna try to dunk on the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna run race back. And we and we're coaching that up. Like when if, if the second that guy dunks, and you'll know already on tape if he tends to hang. Find his guy, right? And, and if his guy's being picked mm-hmm. up with someone else, find that person behind three, right? Like Leak you know, go at it, yeah. So that'll that'll solve that problem pretty quickly. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. always been my thing with in any sport, the unwritten rules, whatever. My thing is like, look, 
If you don't like someone trash talking and doing whatever, then don't let them do whatever they're doing. Play better defense, stop them, whatever the thing is. Like, that's all. Like, that's my whole thing. Like, this is a competition. If you don't like it, shut them up. Like, that's it. Like, I, I don't. I mean, that, that part I get. Uh, I I don't like when my players do their three-point thing. I don't. I tell I tell them, <laughs> act like you've done it before and plan to do it again. That's one thing I tell them. Um, another thing is, every, when you do that, you're making it about me. I'm old school Close this way. Mm-hmm. I'm old school this way. Uh, that doesn't mean on a game winner or there's an immediate timeout. Hell yeah. I, I tell my players, celebrate, get the fans into it if you're at home, obviously. I don't love talking to the road crowd too much. I don't think that helps them. Um, but uh, I, it, when you're celebrating, the other team's trying to score. I'd rather just focus on basketball. It's, it's, there are plenty of players that can handle both, but plenty of players can't. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my issue with it. No, I, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying there. Um, you know, you talked about you don't like the players talking to refs. Um, you know, I don't like him yelling and complaining. I don't mind talking. Yelling and complaining is my concern. Obviously, you know, I, I we watched on the basketball. Like, and again, this is not me caping for the refs. I want to be very clear. But David, they, you know, the, the patience level they have to have is pretty high because these dudes cause are chirping at them all, all every single call. Yeah. They're getting they're getting You're barked exactly at. Right. You're exactly and right. I can I, I'm there are games where I'm watching and I'm like, man, they are like. Two seconds away from like the T's coming. Like you can see it. They're like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Right. And they're trying to be calm. And then when the player keeps egging and, and it's like, uh, and I, and I get it because the players, all the testosterone's flying around. They're uber competitive. And this is when you have, I think the community, the, the, the environment is not ideal for communication, right? Because both sides are just get very like intense and worked up on what they're doing. And it bubbles over into, let's just say non-kind <laughs> words being said back and forth. And it's 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 a problem. Um, and I'm saying that to say, uh, right before the break, the Wednesday game for, for Thanksgiving, uh, Suns Warriors, Chris Paul and Scott Foster happened again, and it is very clear, right? Chris said it after the game. Oh, it's personal between me and Scott. Like, and that is not good for the NBA, right? When one of it's you know established, well-known veteran players, Chris Paul, a superstar, right? Is saying, oh, it's personal between me and this rep. And the fact that every fan, whether they're casual or not, knows who Scott Foster is, that is also a problem. And the fact that the NBA is pretty mum and says nothing specifically about this, I mean, I have theories about to why that is. And you go look back and who uh, Scott Foster's best friend is or was best friend, who used to be an NBA official, Tim Donaghy, look that up. I just, it's just a bad look for the league, David. Yeah, I don't have much of an opinion other than to say I wish I wish Scott and Chris would figure it out themselves. You know, I wish Scott would be the bigger man or Chris. Maybe Chris has tried. Um, I just stop having them do their games. I just agree. stop having Scott Foster ref their games. Yeah, it's weird. The stats are not good for the NBA. No, David, Chris Paul's numbers are really bad when Scott. And Foster it's not a ref. small sample size anymore. It's- no, and, and and he's favored in most of those games. The team he's been on, and they lost a huge amount. Yeah, that's Look. weird. I'm not saying Scott Foster. I'm all the numbers are what they are, and this is the reality. And it's just yeah. not a good luck for a league no. that had a ref scandal. I mean, not, this wasn't a long time ago. This was this was recently. Right. It, it's just not You're a good right. luck. You're right. So anyway, I, I wish that part of it uh, would be better. But anyway, here we are. Thank you guys uh, again. If you want to keep sending in questions to us, you know what to do. True Hoop. T R U E H O O P at truehoop.com and we will tap into coach Stort's big basketball brain 
All right, David, two teams in the NBA right now, the two hottest teams in the league. Well, I was going to ask you if you know who they are, but you already looked at the document, so you do know. <laughs> um, uh, I think oh, it's Phoenix, Orlando. Yes, both winners of seven straight. Yeah, um, two seven-game streaks. And clearly doing it very differently. So uh, Orlando was featured in David's Riser series. Uh, everyone, if you are not subscribed to TrueHoop.com, you should be. Check it out. Um, Orlando's doing it one way, David. How is Orlando winning seven straight games and looking like, a legit team not just oh we're cute and we're fun like oh we might be someone who can get into the playing tournament and possibly make the playoffs i just remembered i actually did look at that uh uh note because i needed to look up some stats <laughs> uh, i've been i just did a breakdown of orlando so mm-hmm. i had to look up phoenix so orlando uh defense 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 and effort so what does that mean second and steals per game i'm doing i did a per game that's the easy way but still I watched them play in person last week, swarming mm-hmm. everywhere. They really play with energy, a lot of a lot of physical energy, emotion. Jalen Suggs being a real leader of that, his his charisma. Um, they are scoring off turnovers, which is important because they're not a very good half court yep. team. So they're scoring off turnovers, but they're six in points in the paint. So they're finding ways to get in the paint, which is good. They're getting to the free throw line a ton, second in free throws attempted, which is a, a sign of athleticism mm-hmm. taken because they're not very crafty. They're young guys. I mean, Wagner is one of the more skilled guys, and he's 20-whatever, 20 23. Um, they are uh, they just oppressive defensively, make you uncomfortable. Um, they don't let the opponent get fast breaks. They really race back and do a good job of that. They score a ton of the points in the paint. Their opponent does not. I looked it up 10th in opponent's points in the paint. Uh, they're getting tons of – I think they're first and second chance points. Yep. I know they're athletic stat. So uh, they're not a great shooting team. They're playing defense. They're flying all over the place to create steals and chaos and deflections and fast breaks. They pound the paint. They don't let you pound the paint. Those are all really good numbers. Uh, and they've also – They've had a better – they've actually had more impressive wins than Phoenix in the seven-game streak. Mm-hmm. I think they got uh, Boston. They got Boston. Mm-hmm. And there was another one. Um, might have been Milwaukee. Milwaukee. They, had two, they Milwaukee. Had two good teams mm-hmm. that they that they beat, more so than Phoenix has done. Phoenix beat Minnesota in their best streak. Mm-hmm. Minnesota has been uh, a really good balance scoring. They, they don't live and die with a three. Uh, they really shoot the ball. Fourth and true shooting percentage. So that includes free throws, which is important. Yeah, right. Sure. Very important with that. Third in um, in percentage of points from the line. So they can really shoot. They're getting the line a bunch. I think they're third in three point percentage, uh, and they're passable on defense. Yeah, they're tolerable, mm-hmm. and their offense, which is what we expected. Yeah, they, their yeah. offense makes up for it. Yeah. Right? Um, and oh, and this is very important. Because teams are made up of players. Uh, Orlando had Jalen Suggs surging. Yeah. Has Jalen Suggs surging. He is. Paolo's been up and down. Franz has been up and down. But they were up in this last game. Um, the Suns have Eric Gordon killing it. And Grayson Allen. Kitten, uh, almost 50% for three. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, yeah, he's not great. He's good. But yes, you're right. He's good. And he's doing well. And Eric Gordon, surprisingly well, I think, at 34. So mm-hmm. it's not just... KD, but but they also have KD, I should add. Well, I, I will also say this about the Suns. And, so, and Booker. 
Yes, Katie's missed the last two games. Uh, Book has been outstanding. Uh, yeah. Katie in November, 32 points a game on like 52, 49, or 51, 95 splits. Just like absurd. And Booker hit the game winner last night against the Knicks. Like they are – and Beal's not even there yet, right? Yeah. And it's what, it's what you said. Offensively, it's going to be tough to stop them on most nights just because those guys are – as you say, they're not tough shot makers because those are not tough shots for them because they work on them, right? But, like, they're just really good at – And at, really talented. They work on them and they're really talented, yeah. Booker correct. hit that game when he threw yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. That's He's, like, fading to the wrong like, – I'm like, what? that's just ridiculous. Like, um, it, it, it was incredible. Orlando, again, you mentioned defensively. In that Boston game, man, they were bothering the hell out of the Celtics. That's the one team you, we talked about, one juggernaut in the league. And it looked like a juggernaut in that game. And, you know, it's one game. I'm not going to flip, flip out about it. But Orlando really got into them and, and yeah. made them feel, as you said, yeah. uncomfortable. Uh, I, I spoke with an assistant coach from the team when I was up there. And he said Jamal's done a great job of letting the defensive coordinator have a big voice. It's, it's, I, I said this. I told this to Henry the other day. When, when OKC traded for Kevin Martin, I watched a lot of their games. You know, Kevin was like a son to me. And... Boy, Scotty Brooks talked about defense every press conference. Just it was nonstop, and I think it was smart. He had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Martin, Kevin Durant mm-hmm. for his offensive power. Those are three elite players offensively. You don't have to coach them on offense. And Kevin was coming off the bench. That's how good they were. Mm-hmm. You had to talk about defense all the time. And they finished first in the West, won sixty games, and that was the year that Pat Bev took Russell Westbrook out mm-hmm. in Game Three against the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think that team could have won a championship versus Miami. Uh, uh, Jamal is doing the same thing in Orlando, preaching defense all the time. He doesn't have that kind of offensive firepower yet. Those guys are young, and it's it's it, they're buying in. You can it's very obvious they're buying in. Uh, Gogo Bataze has just been a, mm-hmm. a, a, I'm gonna have to write about him. Just a revelation uh, in, in the center position with Wendell Carter being out, Wendell Carter Jr. So uh, they've they preached defense, and, and it's paying dividends. Um, you mentioned something just now. You said that um, Jamal Mosley is giving the defensive coordinator a big voice. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that is not a common thing in the NBA. And I feel like that, because of the insecurities of head coaches and all the different things that don't really work, that is what in many ways holds teams back from being as great as they could be. Is just, you know, the inability of a head coach to have confidence in himself and a security of job to let someone else, you know, who is better or more skilled or whatever, take control of something. Many years ago, I was told uh, from a friend of mine named Stan Jones, who's now coached my son at Florida State. He's associate head coach at Florida State. He was with Leonard Hamilton at Miami and then went with him to the Wizards. And uh, people forget, but Leonard was a one-year coach for Michael Jordan with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan wanted Leonard. And um, the story I was told is that the, the way they work is Leonard's the CEO. Stan does more of the day-to-day on-court stuff. Still, still this way. Uh, but Leonard's the boss for sure, and um, uh, the uh, the GM of the team told Stan Jones one day, who was running practice for the Wizards, I think preseason maybe, like you can't be doing this. And Stan's like, it's always how we do it. And he said, well, if the owner walks in this gym, I don't, I don't remember who on the team then. It wasn't Ted, and he sees you coaching, he'll fire Leonard, just hire you. And I know you don't want that. You guys are you know partners. And it was just that was it. That was just that's so disappointing. Uh, uh, Leonard doesn't have the, uh, he's selfless that way. He knows what his strengths and weaknesses are and it's worked well for him for many years, decades. Jamal clearly has the same thing. 
He's not afraid to have someone else's voice carry the day. That team is, for, is known for its defensive effort and defensive identity. That is their, that is their identity defense. And it's, it, Jamal deserves credit as the head coach of allowing Dale Osborne, the assistant coach there, uh, to have a real voice. Uh, and it's working. And I wish other, I wish ever, I, I know this, one of the biggest problems we have in the NBA and the G League is coaches are afraid to coach their players for fear of retribution, but in one way or the other, agents complain, players complain, whatever, management gets upset, players, because players are unhappy, and we're not really holding guys accountable enough. And uh, I don't think that's the problem there. And the evidence is clear. It's working because of what they're, how they're playing defensively. It's got them in. And right now, they're like second on the East. Mm-hmm. They're not going to finish that, I don't think. But right. still, they have a lot of talent. This is a, a, a huge turnaround for them because this same time last year, they're where they normally are, which is the bottom of the East. So right. this right. is fantastic. Another pl- coach that holds players accountable um, is Ima Udoka, right? And we, we are seeing that in, in Houston, right? And I think for whatever reason – Ime and Jamal, like certain guys have the ability to do that where others don't. Um, and, you know, again, I think so much of this and your team's success. Yes, of course, you have to have elite talent. We all know that. But if you're GM and your coach, and if there isn't that kind of accountability and no one fearing of backbiting and someone stealing a job, like it's just it's disaster. Like this, you're not going to be a good organization. And it's, you know, it's not good. Not good for the league. No, it's there's also a situation. I was talking to an agent this morning where um, players can't get out of their own way sometimes, and they just they can't stay focused on the right things. They don't take good shots. They don't hold account hold themselves accountable for defense or rebounding or showing up early, staying late, um, uh, uh, getting in the weight room when they're supposed to. But do, do those are all things that have to happen for most players to make it. The most talented guys may get away with more. Not always, but but can do it. The rest of the guys, you can't have any of those negative boxes checked, and they just they can't get out of their own way, and they just they can't get it right, and they end up even if they have a cup of coffee, that's all it is, and they're out. Yeah, this is this league is hard, as you always say, right? And so don't yeah. don't don't make it harder on yourself with right? a bunch of new good players coming in every week, every year. Literally, um, this wasn't on our rundown, but you know, with new good players coming in every week and environments being necessary for success. You know, you're going to have something come up, come out about the rookie soon. And, you know, right now, I don't think it's anybody any surprise. If the rookie of the year was awarded today, it's Chet, and it's not really close right now because he's just far more impactful to yeah. winning and all the things. I wonder, David, development, and it's key in your early years and all that, is the losing in San Antonio, are you worried about that and problematic for Victor's overall development? Um. How they're losing will be more of a concern than the fact that they're losing. He's 19. He's not going to remember this kind of stuff in a few years if they get good. But he can't shoot. And so they got some things to fix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the process is what's most important, in my opinion. You've got to get the process right. You have, to, you have to find the strategies that work with the players you have, make sure they're doing all the things they have to do. And um, it's, it's a mess there right now. They're, they're bad. They're they're the worst in the league. They are. And it's, you know, from talking to you for for the years that I have and and listening to you prior to that, before I knew you, like this idea of playing with joy and like, look, and it's early and whatever, but I'm like, he's not smiling as much as he was when when he first came in and lose. I mean, these guys, he's competitive. So he's not happy that they're losing, right? Like, that's not fun. 
Um, and he's probably not happy. He's not shooting well either, right? I just, those are things I just and, watch and, and wonder. And, you know, we, we all remember Zion. Um, it, it, he ended up signing the extension as soon as they offered it to him. I don't think he was out of David Griffin's hands yet, and he signed it. But there was speculation. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this guy's even more famous globally than Zion. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. I don't His agent's a power broker. Boone is a power broker. Um, the Spurs shouldn't just assume anything. Mm. They gotta make they gotta they gotta make their nest hospitable. Or that dude, that bird is gonna go fly and find another one. <laughs> yeah, Royal Jelly Man, make sure it's there. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we'll be back after a brief commercial break. Uh okay, David. Um much to Henry's chagrin last night, his, his Portland Trailblazers blew a 26-point lead to the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Bucks have been playing better, and we knew it was going to take time to incorporate a guy like Dame. And also, for everybody, not everybody, but people seemingly forgot, they're also playing differently under a new head coach, right? Asian Griffin, not Mike Budenholzer. Have the Bucks turned a corner in your eyes? They're starting to play better. They're now up to like 11 and 4, I want to say, 10 and 5, something like that. Um, they're, they're looking better. Um, what do you see from the Milwaukee Bucks? I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I, they're not. They're not. They're not a team I've watched a bunch. I know about the you know the big comeback win last night. Um, they have a really good player named Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> yeah, they do. He's and he's having a very good season again, right? He's had a very good season again. Mm-hmm. So, um, I worry about them defensively. Uh, adding Dame, you know, it, it can't help but help them on offense, uh, and so. I don't think there's any question they're going to win 50-plus games this season. I, I, I had them preseason doing that. I do have some questions about uh, how, how well that lasts um, defensively. The mm-hmm. lack of depth is a concern. But um, Dame and Giannis alone are, are you know, they're good for 50-plus wins if they're healthy. No, that's, and that's Middleton is a mixed bag right now. He is. Uh, his EPM stats look look better than they have in a while. He's still not shooting it great right now. Right. Um, you know, when new stars come to a team, there's that always that awkward right thing right. where, and from what it is clear to me, David, and I love your thoughts on this, there nobody wants to step on anybody's toes yet, right? You can see that they're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to dominate and take over too much, and you know, alienate my new guy, you know, and so does that yeah, awkward specifically between Dot Dame and Giannis. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, wait, you go, no, no, okay, I'll go. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes Work that out the game. It just gets simple between them, right? It's like, how about you two just run pick and roll? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it'll work. And shock. Shock of all shocks. When yeah. they do that, they get a good shot literally every single yeah. time. Yeah, and they got a new coach who's never coached. So that's a factor, too, that I think over time should even out some. So, yeah, they're going to be they're gonna be a Final Four in the East contender. Likely, very likely to do it. No guarantee they'll win the first round. They, they've had that problem wow. in the past. They yeah. certainly, certainly yeah. have. They've, there's no guarantees there. I tell you, they don't want to see is Miami in the first round. That's for Probably sure. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, the, the way it's stacked up right now, they wouldn't. But that's that's their kryptonite yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, well, I mean, Spoh's really good and Jimmy right. and Bam and, right. and all that. Um, the in-season tournament, David, I think is so good for a team like the Bucks and all these teams that have new parts together. Because while it's not what the playoffs are going to be like in terms of seven games and adjustments, it does give you a chance to stress test everybody how I would do in a tight game, what a coach is likely to do, what a player is likely to do, right? I think those stress tests matter. It's not what we what they're normally used to, but they're going to care about winning this and wanting to get the money and the, all the things. And so I think that'll be good for every team who's like got either a young team like Indiana 
or a new team that's like, we got to figure out how we want to run our crunch time offense, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's just a, it's a way to get people interested in November and December as much as anything else. Right. Used to be Christmas kind of started mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. When is the playing tournament finals? Uh, uh, December 9th, I want to say. So right. the second, yeah. So I think that next weekend. So mm-hmm. three weeks earlier, or two and a half weeks earlier, mm-hmm. that's by design. Yeah. I think it's adding a little a little um, zest to the drink, you know? Um, I don't know if you caught this. Uh, in Friday's game, Suns-Grizzlies, the Suns knew they had a point differential. They're going to be three and one. The game was in hand, but they're like, we want to make sure we get as many points as possible. Books firing up threes late with like three seconds on the clock. Like, and he said after the game, he's like, this is no disrespect to the Grizzlies, but I know point differential matters. Like I, we had to get more points up on the board. I love that. Yeah, me too. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. All right, guys, uh, we are going to look at uh, MVPs. Um, it's early, you know, no one want me to lose their mind and think whatever, but we do our top five. So I figured why not do top five MVP candidates? All right, David, let's start with you. Who do you got for number five? I, I don't get mad at me. Why, why would I get mad? I don't, I don't have five. Oh, what do you have? Ten. Oh, I love it. Yes. Tell yeah. me why. Because there's I, 10 I, awesome players. I, I love I think it. There are 10 players. I, I would just feel like for this, er, this early, uh, I'm leaving five dudes out. So I'll give an example. At number 10 on my list, and it's a, I didn't study it that hard. Mm-hmm. Giannis. You know, he's very good. Like, he, <laughs> my point is, though, he, he can win the award. For him not to be on the list now, I, I, for me, I feel like I can't, I can't kick him off. It's almost like if, uh, if, our, if our championship bus is something that yes, exists. Correct. You know, this is um same thing. No, this is like um the you ever see those those bicycle carts where everyone can drink and <laughs> yeah. bike it. But these <laughs> these are the 10 guys biking right now. Yep. Right? Drinking, whatever. Yes. Um so I got us at 10. No, you're right. Er, er, early on, it's like the championship bus. There's a lot of teams on it. By the time yeah. we get to March, right. less teams. I'll get to my top five. So I'll do the I'll do the five that you don't the list that you don't no, have. No, but so. give, give me give me your pre five though. It's fine. I want those. Yeah, so I'm gonna do these. So I got I got in my my second group, by the way, is really, really yeah, so, good. So, yeah, so give me that second group. So Giannis is Giannis, LeBron, mm-hmm. Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy on the on the on the Minnesota Terminals named Anthony Edwards. Pretty good. Pretty good. And uh Devin Booker. Ooh. Who has only played nine games, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Yes. But still. He's they're what they won seven straight, and he's been terrific. Well, here's a question for you: If you got Booker in the second five, where do you have Durant? Okay. In the first five, <laughs> okay, yeah, he's better. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, so number five for me is Kevin Durant. How well, about you? you? No arguments for me. Know. You know that. Who, who do you know? <laughs> I got Durant as my number five too. Look, the Suns. With Booker being out, and he had to kind of keep that team afloat, right? At 35 years old, playing way too many minutes, and shock of all shocks, he's got a foot soreness issue going on, which right. is sports got me concerned right now. Um, but, you know, he had to carry this team because nobody was playing. Um, so he's just still phenomenal, elite, um, playing good basketball. All right, who you got it for? Yeah, and, and just when I did my my list, it was it was mindful of June, or mindful of the award in, 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 by the end of April when mm-hmm. the voting's done. So I'm not just trying to do it today. I, you probably did that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I also want to look, where is this going? Okay. So I had KD at five because I think he'll be there all year. Mm-hmm. I've got Shea at four. Ooh, I'd say a little bit higher, not much. I, I understand it. I just um, think, I think by the end of this. I bet I know. I bet high. I know. Who I have at four is probably who you may have like a – well, maybe not. I got Tatum yeah. at four. 
Right, I have Tatum at three. Okay. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. you have probably Shea at three. three. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the same two seven footers, <laughs> and with the same guy number one. And my Jokic is the best friend in the world. He is now. To be fair to the MVP, and this is you're doing yeah. it future. Nuggets yeah. been struggling without Jamal Murray a little bit. Yeah, I mean not not terrible, but you know they're they're not they're skidding they've a little bit. Games. Yeah, they've lost some games. Um, I think he's due back middle of the month if all timing holds up well for him. Um, but look, Minnesota's going to be a tough out. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to stay around the top all year. I I believe in them defensively. We always talk about that trade they could potentially make, which maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe they're just like, you know what? We're going to roll with what we got and see where that takes us. I don't know. Um, you know, the Lakers are playing really well, but my concern with them, of course, is okay. LeBron and AD are playing a lot of minutes right now. <laughs> I, I I had LeBron initially in my top ten. And then as I thought about down the road, I just don't trust that enough. You think he's he's got to get more rest. Yeah, he's got to get more rest. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the fact that I mean, he's, he's like third in EPM right now, third or fourth, something crazy. Yeah, like he's that. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, he's not on my list. But where do you have you – know, what, what do you think about Tyrese Halliburton? Is he in your second five? Because, damn, he's playing he so well. He didn't make anything. Because uh, terrible, terrible, terrible on defense, and I don't think that team – is going to last, um, I, but he's he's an all NBA level talent. Yes, yeah, a player like he he'll be in the top fifteen in the end in the league. They are, I mean, offensively, my goodness, yeah, they play fast too. <laughs> they put up points in a hurry. Uh, Philly, we mentioned Embiid um, and and Jokic. Look, that that Maxi thing and him and real and T- Tobias Harris. I think you you, you, think, you think guys. I mean, you, you I think it's true because you talk to guys. You think Tobias Harris is like man. Last five years, all I've been hearing is how I'm overpaid and I suck. And what man, James is gone. Let me guys show you. I'm actually really good at basketball. That's how he's playing to me when I watch the Sixers. I mean, yeah, these guys have a lot of pride. I, I had a, a very high level player say to myself and uh, his agent that, um, you know, what's next? I've got all this money. What's next? And the agent's like, Hall of Fame. And the player's like, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. He hadn't thought about it. Um, but yeah, these guys have a lot of pride. And you, they and and they're goal oriented more so than you probably realize. Well, they and, have to be. Um, how, how they get to the how they get here? Yeah, typically, <laughs> yeah, typically that's the case. So yeah, I think that's all part of it. Yep. And I think Tobias is like, um, you know, I'm still I can still play this game. A lot yeah, of pride. He a lot of pride, and he's playing yeah. well. He's not just standing in the corner anymore, right? There, no, he's, no, actually, he's attacking. Yeah, he's and really good. That is your third attacker. Yeah, really good yeah. with the way Maxi's playing, like an All NBA. Cal- of yeah. course, Embiid. Do you know that Joel Embiid leads the league in free throws taken? One hundred and seventy yeah, something. I mean, yeah. it's like every time he's down there, it's like you're yeah. you're you're fouling him. Listen, if he has to play better in the postseason, there's no question about that. He has not had that defining postseason series yet. Um, speculation whether he's hurt or not, whatever. But if if he does that, because he gets, he still yet to make a conference finals yet in his in his yeah. career. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if he does that this year, and that team's good, and I think the bench players all know what their role is. There's no, right? Marcus Morris is like, look, uh, whatever you guys want me to do, I'm here to do. The Ubre thing with the injury where he got hit by guy, that's, yeah. that's hurting them a little bit I right agree. now. Um, but, man, I, you know me. I've never, I'm like, oh, Philly, they're going to shit the bed at some point eventually. It's always how I think about it. But um, I, I like what I'm seeing from Philly right now. Look, the league is fun right now. Teams are playing well. We're early in-season tournament. Tuesday is the last day. Um, that's end of group play. And then we'll know who does what in the knockout round. And knockout round will be fun because I I know it. You're just gonna the group play was already crazy where you saw teams, all right, we gotta get points. We gotta 
It's knockout now. If we lose, we're, we can't go to I Vegas. Hope, I hope we get that. I really do. I hope we get a lot of like last possession wins too. Yes. It's just going to be fun. And then when it's in Vegas, that's just going to be because these guys want to go. <laughs> they, they so want to go to Vegas for whatever reason. Um, all right, guys. We'll be back uh, on Thursday. Take care.